Good morning and welcome to MANA. Thank you for joining me. This is part two of our four-part series on why do we celebrate the birth of Christ or why do we celebrate Christmas? Um, and, and last week we looked at the, the importance of what Revelation 19.10 tells us is that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so we looked at some prophecies, Isaiah 7.14, when Isaiah tells King Ahaz, Behold, um, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is going to be with us. Um, and then, of course, 700 years later, the angel, an angel comes and he prophesies to Joseph and he says, hey, Joe, um, Mary's going to, she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so it says, you can trust me. I got you. I'm going to take care of this. But this son um, is the one that was spoken about by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, today we want to take a little closer look at another aspect of this birth of Jesus and why should we be um, celebrating this birth. So let's pray and then we'll get into our study. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the profound detail that you have poured into those reasons for us. Because the reasons point to a Redeemer, our Redeemer, and his name is Emmanuel. Jesus. And so, Lord, bless our time now as we um, seek more reasons to have confidence about why we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So let me read today um, from Luke's account in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So um, here we have this amazing event that takes place, so unusual, not like what we would know today, right? Um, but what did what happened here? What are some of those minute details that are actually pretty important? Well, one is is that Mary was a great mom, and what did she do? She protected her baby by wrapping him in swaddling cloths, right? Um, and they still do that today. Um, but why did Luke mention that detail? Well, I believe that that's really important because um, in the next verses that we're going to read about next week, um, we're going to look at this encounter that the shepherds have with the angels, and, he, and the angel tells them, this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Whoa, two perfect details there. One, swaddling clothes. Two, lying in a manger. And three, they're shepherds. I think they know where they're going to go um, because they're familiar with what, what mangers are, but they're also ones who would go to a manger, right? So anyway, those are identifying things that the, sh the, the angels gave to the shepherd to be able to come and, and find this baby, this one who would be the uh, one that was born in the city of David that, that the prophet Micah would uh, prophesy about in, in, in born in Bethlehem Ephratah, of course, and he would be known as Christ the Lord, the anointed one. So tons of evidence that we have to be able to know that this baby, this one, had purpose behind him, but it was prophesied. You see, remember, there it is, the spirit of prophecy, that Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Um, and so, but the question that I want to look at today is really, why did Mary lay Jesus in a manger, in a feeding trough for animals? Um, well, I think that this is an example of the author of life actually illustrating that he is the source of life and that is accessible to the lowliest of life, to all of life. Um, John chapter 6 gives us even more detail about if you will, the insight to the bread of life. You remember the story where Jesus feeds 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves of bread. And, and of course, they come looking for him the next day um, and they find him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, and, and so why is it that they're there? Because they're hungry and they want to get fed again and they didn't have to do anything. Um, and so he tells them, this is what Jesus says um, in John chapter 6. He says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, the God, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Make no mistake about it. He's identified clearly. Those respond with, What must we do? Um, to, do, to be doing the works of God? That's a great question, right? What is it that we must do to, to do the works of God? And Jesus answers this. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. There it is. There's not a work that you can do other than put your faith in him. They want a sign. So what do they do? Um, they, they, had just, they just said that they had just experienced a, a miracle, a sign, but now they're demanding another one. And so to justify their position, they say, well, our fathers ate the manna from the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, Jesus corrects them in John chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says this to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He. It's a person who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so, they, of course, appropriately, they respond and they say, Sir, give us this bread always. <laughs> what are they doing? They're still trying to fill their bellies. But John 6, 35 and 40, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
This Emmanuel that Isaiah spoke to, this Emmanuel that the, the angel prophesied to Joseph, this one that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, this one that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds that says, go and find this one. He's the bread of life. John 6, 51 says, I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So he's pointing towards something that he's going to give, and that which he's going to give is on a cross. But yet, what did the people do? They grumbled and they disputed, they argued with him. Is that not how sometimes people are today? They, Jesus is offering you eternal life, and, and people want to grumble, or they want to complain, or they want to dispute with God because they're not measuring up to what they think God should do, or maybe they've experienced, or they're in the midst of depression, or sorrow, or failure, or everything that maybe we could look at as a failure in our lives. But what has Jesus said? I have come to give you life, to give you hope, to give you eternal life through his shed blood on a cross. His flesh is what he's going to give, to give so that we might have life, to be born again as we put our faith in him. That's what Jesus is doing. He's inviting the world to receive him. That's what I want to do for you today too, is invite the you to receive the bread of life. If you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, what he did on that cross for you, then you can do that today. You can receive the bread of heaven. Just as Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and he means life now, but life eternally. And so won't you receive the gift that he has given to you at Christmas? And it's him. And it's this simple. It just says, dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. And won't you come into my life and give me new life to be my Lord and my Savior. God bless you all. And I look forward to seeing you next Monday. Thank you.